0: So we're in second se- second uh, episode of our <laughs> Holy Spirit series, and um, I'm so glad that so glad that the Holy Spirit has been emphasising the love of God, the love of Jesus through our time of praise together. That's what when you find what you find, if you come along to church regularly, you'll find that during our time of singing, there will be certain themes that develop in the praying, and in what people share, and the songs that are chosen. And what's often going on there is that the Holy Spirit is is leading us. Through that, he's inspiring different, um, well, different people, but with the same theme. And that's a beautiful thing when God does that. And so what the Lord's been emphasizing to us as we've been gathered to praise is, is, is the love of God. And that's such a, a fantastic and uh, important thing, always. But I think particularly today, because we're probably going to be looking at a subject on the Holy Spirit and who he is and, and what he does, that is perhaps the most difficult. that would would perhaps be the thing that we would would find the hardest. So I just think it's so important that we are fully grounded in in the love of God before we go any further. The Bible gives a special uh, special word for for God's love. There are, are, I think, seven different Greek words uh, for love. The New Testament was originally uh, written in street Greek, and there are seven for love. And there's there's one called agape, which is a word that before the times of the Bible, you don't find it in any other literature. And... uh, um, it has quite a mysterious source in the sense of that it's not you can't look in other literatures to find out what it means um, but really just gather mostly from, from, from the Bible what it means and essentially it means this: the determination to do someone good God's love is, it means that he's determined to do us good which I think is very powerful. There's other words in, in Greek for love like phileo. Phileo means affection. Phileo is that that love you have between friends when you say, Hey, it's so good to see you when I see you. You know, my heart is warmed and uh, we could just chat for hours. That's phileo love. It's, it's a lovely thing. It's, it's definitely um, part of uh, Christian fellowship and part of God's grace to us. Um, there's, there's, from where we get our word erotic, eros, is uh, romantic, um, sexual love, again, part of God's creation, a wonderful thing. But this word agape is a special word, denoting um, that it's not like affection which can come and go. It's not like romantic love which can ebb and flow, but it is a, a determination to do us good. That is the love of God. He is determined to do us good. There's something so solid about that. You can build your whole life on it. Okay? It's not about moods. It's not about how, how, how is it today? How, wh- wh- what have we got? It's none of that. God is determined to do us good and has demonstrated it most concretely through the cross. So I just, oh, thank you, Lord, for keep bringing us back to your love. It's a great thing. So now we're, we're starting a, a, a new series on the Holy Spirit. We started it last week. And um, how this series is going to work with, uh, over these next few weeks is like this there'll be five minutes at the start of the sermon every week where whoever's preaching we'll say some very important truths about the Holy Spirit, about five truths in five minutes, and they'll be the same things every week. Just things that are ri- by way of reminder. Things that we, we, tend, we can sort of go a bit sideways on. So really important things about the Holy Spirit, about a minute for each thing, every week. Um, after that, we will look at the baptism in the Holy Spirit every week for the next few weeks. And we'll particularly be focused on one verse in the Bible, which will really, uh, in that verse, ex- some, sometimes explicitly, sometimes a bit more subtly, there are some steps, if you like, to helping us get to a place where we really know for sure that we have been baptised in the Holy Spirit, that we, are, that, that, that we have been empowered by God to be able to live the Christian life and serve Him fruitfully. It's so important. You, you just can't do what God calls us to do without the Holy Spirit. It's totally impossible. And so we just really need to, really want to just study that and get into that. And, um, and then th- that will be about 15 minutes. And in the last 15 minutes of each sermon, we'll be just looking at a particular thing the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Um, a particular work of the Holy Spirit. And what we're, what we're looking to do is bring some really good, solid Bible teaching on the Holy Spirit. So that we will be, feel really safe and secure meeting with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So we, we want to get both those things in place. That we don't just get good teaching. That's not enough. And that we don't just go after experiences, but that we say, no, we really want to learn to walk with the Holy Spirit. But we need to know what does the Bible teach about him and what he does. So is that sound all right? Fantastic. So the five minute thing at the start, here we go. Five things to say about the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit is a person and not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit, um, we're told the Holy Spirit, he can can be grieved. He can be resisted. He can be honoured. He can be blasphemed, he can be lied to. We are told that he guides, he speaks, he teaches, he gives gifts according to his will. And so because of this, when we're thinking about encountering the Holy Spirit, meeting the Holy Spirit, it's probably more helpful to think not, not about um, uh, images in your mind that are to do with kind of, I don't know, wind or rain or liquids, or, but to think about a deepening relationship. He is a person. And so it's as, much as, it's, as, it's as much about can the Holy Spirit have more of me as it is about can I have more of him. That he wants our heart, he wants our mind, he, that he wants the relationship with us. So he is a person, therefore let's think relationally when we think about meeting with the Holy Spirit. Number two uh, is that the Holy Spirit brings to us the presence of the Father and the presence of the Son. So if, if, if you find a church that is fixated on the Holy Spirit then there's a problem there because that church is not honouring the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit comes to exalt Jesus in our midst and to reveal the Father. That's what he loves to do. And so what you don't want to do is become um, kind of unhelpfully fascinated with the person of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit doesn't want that. He wants us to be really thrilled with Jesus and to really know the love of the Father. That's what he loves to come and do. As he does that, we will love him because of what he's done. It's really important that we, that we realize that. And, um, and so a church that's full of the Holy Spirit will be a church that knows how to cry out, Abba, Father, and feel secure in the Father, love of God. And a church that's really loving Jesus and on fire for him. Third thing to say is this, that the work of Jesus has made a way for the work of the Spirit. You can't separate the gospel from the work of the Holy Spirit. Because of the cross, because of Jesus' descent to the lowest and the darkest possible place, while he took our sins... And while he paid our debt, because of that, he has now been resurrected by the Father. And the Father has raised him to the highest place. And, uh, and now the Father and the Son have sent the Holy Spirit. So Jesus has gone up and the Holy Spirit has come down. Okay, You cannot separate the gospel from the work of the Spirit. The Spirit has come because Jesus has won. The Spirit has come because Jesus has done it and he's paid the price for our sins. So is a really beautiful thing to focus on and make sure that we get it richly uh, into our heart. It is most certainly God's will to pour out the Holy Spirit. God makes it very clear. In fact, the Bible says he has poured out his Spirit. From Pentecost onwards, we're in the age of the outpoured Spirit. The Spirit's been poured out okay, because Jesus has ascended. Fourthly, without the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives, as a church, we'll become like a house with no one at home. That's what we'll be like. If we do not know and enjoy the fullness of the presence of the Holy Spirit who brings the presence of Jesus and the Father with him, then we'll be like a house without anyone at home. There might be a lot of activity, there might be a lot of busyness, there might be a lot of stuff, but it will be actually fundamentally like a house with no one there. And we all know how sad that is. (laughs) We don't want to do that. Um, The Spirit demonstrates that God is near. The word Spirit means breath. You know when someone's close when you get their breath. Sometimes a good experience, sometimes not. The Spirit of God represents the proximity of God. He's close. It's always a good thing. Finally, although everything has been done for us to be full of the Spirit because of Jesus' work, although everything has been done, our birthright as Christians has to be appropriated by faith. It's not automatic. Everything God has brought for us in Jesus, we need to appropriate by faith. We need to say, yes, God, I believe that's for me. I'm going to say yes to that and pull that into my heart and into my life. It's not going to just automatically fall into my lap. That's not how this thing works. Hence this series. We're going to learn how to walk into all that the Lord has bought for us. So we're not passive spectators, but active cooperators. You up for that? All right, cool. So there are the five things we're going to say. There's five things, probably slightly different words, but every week for the next few weeks, just so we really get it in and really understand, these are things that the Bible teaches. Okay, now if we could have uh, the first scripture up, please, uh, Rachel. This is the scripture we're going to be looking at um, in terms of the baptism of the Holy Spirit over the next few months. It's the day of Pentecost. Peter's just uh, getting to the end of his sermon, um, talking about how God has uh, actually got, has actually vindicated. God has justified. God has said about this crucified man Jesus. This This is my Messiah. This is the Christ and God has demonstrated it by raising him from the dead and making him Lord of all. He's just preached this message. And we're told here, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. So they heard this message of Christ and they were cut into their heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you. And for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. The promise of the Spirit is for everyone whom the Lord calls to himself. How cool is that? So we, don't, we mustn't get into this two-tier, uh, special Christians, non-special Christians. The g- promise of the Spirit is for all those whom God calls to himself. Wow. If you hand on heart can say, I'm, I know God's call. I'm a Christian, I, Jesus, is, Jesus I, I know Jesus. Then the promise of the Spirit is for you. Wow. I want to focus on this word repent. This is the instruction first. Repent and be baptised and you will receive the Spirit. So this word here, repent, we looked at it the first half yesterday, um, last Sunday, sorry, um, where we looked at about, to, the word repent means a uh, change of mind. It's not just a change of behaviour. You can change your behaviour but not change your mind. Did you know that? You can think, "Oh, I better not do that, I might get caught. You still love the thing you were doing, but you don't want to be exposed. Repentance is a change of mind. It's like the, the, the things that you used to love, you, you think, I'm going to let go of you now. I'm loving something else. And the things you used to think, oh, no thanks, something changes. You think, ah, oh, like you think differently about it. It's repentance. It's, it's God's grace to us. And lastly, when we looked at how we, we, in order to know the Lord and, and, and receive the Spirit, we need to repent of trying to save ourselves. Do you remember that? we can't save ourselves we all of us kind of feel like we want to contribute something to our salvation but we can't it's all jesus uh, when we face the father uh, on that final day and he says he says you won't put it this way but imagine you know why why should you come to heaven or why should you be with me forever there must be one word and one word alone on our lips right and what is that word jesus okay so you know like it's every kids answer on sunday school isn't it jesus is a safe bet listen that is the right answer on the day of judgment okay jesus his righteousness, his work on the cross for you, his resurrection, it is him who qualifies you forever to be with the Father. It's a free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Wow. Okay? So we repent of trying to save ourselves, trying to kind of justify ourselves or Jesus and Jesus and I'm respectable. Jesus and I go to church. Jesus and I read my Bible. No. Jesus and is always an insult to Jesus. Because you're saying he's not enough. So repentance is I'm going to stop all that, Jesus. Okay. So we looked at that last week, and um, uh, this week we're going to look at a, a second half uh, of repentance, um, if you like. Uh, it's slightly different, and it's, um, it's, it's, that we, it's that we turn away, we change our mind on sin. That on, on, now, Let me just unpack what, what, what sin means. There's different words, sin, transgression, iniquity. Transgression means crossing a line. It's like God says don't, and you say I'm going to. All right. Transgression. Uh, Iniquity means wickedness. Sin is an archery term and it means you miss the mark. So sin, that's where it originally came from. It's not a religious word. It means you've missed what you were aiming for. Now, the Bible says we were made for God's glory. We were made to know the glory of God and walk in harmony with him. But we've missed the mark. We've chosen sin. We've chosen our own way. And so as a result of that now, we're in sin. We're lost in sin. We're stuck in sin. Repentance is saying, do you know what? I'm going to actually turn away from wickedness. I'm going to turn away from jumping over the line when God says don't. I'm going to turn away from this love in my heart of things that are dark. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make some clear, I'm, I'm not going to, no, just, I don't want it anymore. I don't want it anymore. That is the second half of repentance. Now, I need, it's really important to understand this, because I think repentance has got really bad press. You sort of associate the word with the frothing, the sort of the frothing preacher on the street corner who just looks really unhappy. <laughs> Do you know, that's, I think that's what we associate with, I don't want to be like that person. Do you know what I mean? So you can think, no, but repentance is actually a beautiful word because the Bible says it's God's kindness that leads us there. That's a lovely scripture in Romans Romans 2. God's kindness leads us to repentance. What it is, it's the mercy of God. He, the reason he says don't sin is because sin leads to death. And he wants you to have eternal life. So he says, don't. But, and, and, and in order to work on your mind so that your mind is changed, God leads you there, and he can lead you there in all, all manner of ways. He can orchestrate situations and circumstances, all kinds of things. But what he's working and working and working to bring you to a place where you say, do you know what? I've had enough of this. Yeah, I've, I've, the Bible says the backslider will have his fill of his ways. God, in his mercy, would get you to a point where you say, do you know what? I, I just, I'm sick of this. I want to walk in the light. That, that's God's kindness. If you get there, God got you there. You might not know. You might think, well, no, I'll just go. But when you look back, you think, wow, God got you there. So it's a beautiful thing. And, and the reason why is because the, the Bible says that God's plan is, is that there will be a spring of living water inside of us that flows out. Uh, 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 but there's so many things that can block that. And so the Lord wants to remove every blockage so that we can really flow in, 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 the, uh, in the truth and in the purity and in the fullness of life that he has for us. That's his heart. It's never, it's never as a spoiler. God's not a spoiler. I think sometimes we can think, oh, He's not a spoiler. He really does know best. And I would say, most definitely, for me, the biggest challenges I have are just trusting that He does know best and that His timing is perfect, in the small things as well as the big things. This, this, is, this, is, this is our God, this is how good he really, really is. Uh, and, so, and so I want to talk today about how, the holy, how, how God will help us to um, put away our sins uh, really, really clearly. Now for some of you, the idea of kind of just really clearly saying this in my life is dark, it's wrong, I've tolerated it for too long and I don't want it anymore, you might find that, oh wow, that sounds a bit scary. That sounds a bit radical. So I want to just kind of help you with that. Get your head around it. Talk about it for a few moments in light of the gospel and how good God is. There's a couple of verses that I think maybe you're not familiar with. One is Acts 5 verse 32 where the apostles are speaking to the religious authorities and they're kind of saying why they're preaching and they say this. We are witnesses to these things, Jesus, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. That's a really interesting verse. Because I'm sure we're all aware of the reality that we, we don't know how to obey God without the Holy Spirit. We're used to that, this is the other way around. The apostles say, No, God gives the Spirit to those who obey Him. So that's a very interesting... why is it phrased that that way round? It it seems almost like you could take it to mean you've got to get your whole life straight and then God will give you the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people think that. That's not true. That's impossible. You'll be glad to hear. You know, if you—that's st- not the message of this church. Get your life sorted out, and then God will give you the Holy Spirit. That is not the—that me- is not the gospel. I had a friend once who—he—I think that's how we understood the gospel. He was an alcoholic, and I was saying, "Come on, Jesus really loves you. Give your heart to Him." And he would say, "Let me just—let me just sort the drink thing out." And I'm saying, "But He wants to give you the power to sort that out. But He wanted to pull Himself up by His bootstraps first. Then it would be up. Like, now Jesus will accept me. That's not the gospel." So, what, but what is this then? What does it mean? Here's what it means. It, it, it means that in order, for, in order for God to give you the Holy Spirit in power, he wants to know that you really want him. Because the Holy Spirit is holy. Which means that if you are holding on to sin, then actually when you say I want the Holy Spirit, well, do you? Do you? Because he's holy. Which means that he, 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 he hates sin. So you've really got to work out, who do I love? What do I want? What do I want? Uh, let me show you another scripture, just, just to show it's not a one-off, even though a one-off's a fine and still stand, but just to show there's, it's not just there. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. There he again. So, you see that? You think, oh, man. Now, what's going on here? Here's what's going on here. Firstly, you can't love Jesus unless you know the love of Jesus. No one one on the planet has ever just started loving Jesus. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. So when we realize he loves us, then we love him and something happens where you go, I want to follow you, Lord. I want to do what you say. I want to obey you. That is what love does, isn't it? It's, it's the most natural thing in the world, if you love someone, to want to please them. It is totally natural. It's, even Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, he says about marriage, he says, he says it's sometimes hard being married because you know, you're kind of torn sometimes because you really want to please the Lord, but you really want to please your spouse. And sometimes you're not quite sure how that works. It's a natural thing to want to please those you love. It's not, you can, it, it, it can manifest in an in a insecure, wrong way, but there's a very natural, healthy way. Or you just want to please the ones you love. Of course, I I remember when when our our eldest was one years old, I've probably told you this story before, but it's always stuck with me. When i come home from work, she'd hear the key in the door and she would look around for anything and sometimes it would be two bits of Lego stuck together and bring it and present it to me as soon as I walked through the door. (laughs) And of course I was amazed, not by the Lego, you know, but by, oh, look at this, she's just, she wants to present something. See, that, why? Because she loves me. She wants to, It's natural. But you see, that, that has to be there if you want to receive the Holy Spirit in power. Because if that's not there, then really what you're saying is, well, yeah, Lord, I, I do want a bit of the Christianity thing, but I also want this. And you're kind of double-minded, you're two-spirited, you're, you're, you're this, but you're this. And, but you will never receive the power of the Spirit to overcome sin while you're in that place. There has to be a resolve in your heart. First of all, Lord, I'm choosing you now. Give me the power. But the, the, the Lord is looking for a, a genuine resolve, a genuine choice to go to walk in the light. Then He will empower you to do that. It's really important. We must understand. This is a very important, um, very important thing. There is a the, the, the way we express our love to the Lord is obedience. It's a really important, this is kind of counter-cultural to say this, we don't, don't hear loads about this, but it's, it's, you know, even as a parent, I mean, this works, you know, there are some times when your kids are they're just disobeying you. And then they come up and they might give you a gold kissy and cuddly and all of that. But you're thinking, actually, like, cool, but, yeah, cool, but what you're doing at this is just, you're just going around the side to just avoid the fact you're not doing what I say. <laughs> yeah, this is not cool. Because I want, you to, I want you to obey me because I want you to trust me. I want you to learn to be able to obey me so you can learn to trust me. It's really important as a parent, your kids learn how to obey you. they learn learning to trust. Because one day, they're going to, they would have learned how to trust and obey, they're going to be able to walk all right with God. If they've never learned how to trust and obey. you're going to, They are going to be in big trouble when they become disciples. So it's, how they, so it's an important way of expressing our love for Him that we obey Him. It's not optional. It's the lordship of Christ. It's the, he, he is our saviour, but he is our lord. And th- for a while, there was, uh, I think a few decades ago, some teaching where, well, receive him as your saviour, and then when you're ready, receive him as your lord. No, it's one person. He's one person. He is lord, he is saviour. If you receive him, you receive him as such. It's important that we just, that we just face this, uh, and that we see this is the best thing in the world. He's, this is the best thing in the world. He is a benevolent dictator. He's good, but he's in charge. And and his commands are not suggestions. They're commands. But this is not fashionable. But it's good for us. This is is, is the timeless word of God that always works. As other trends come and go. We currently live in a trend in an age where um, the idea of authority, submission, obedience is just so so not perceived positively it's 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 ostracized it's not it's not enjoyed tell you it is when it comes to him when it comes to him it's absolutely appropriate that's really important if you want to receive the power of the spirit you then you need to you need to engage with this very very um seriously until we get serious about obedience we'll never come to maturity and there's a submitting trust that paves the way for god to entrust us with things paves the way for that. So, um, uh, just to say as well, we're all being influenced by something or the other. We're all, we're all, we're all you know, just by nature of who we are and where there's influence, there's discipleship coming. I want to just urge you, be discipled by the Lord. It's not, it's not, there's, not there's, no, there's no such thing as not being discipled. We're all being influenced, shaped by something or the other. And I'm just trying to be true to the, to the Bible in, in doing this. So, so that's, the second, that's the second step in terms of coming. And I want you to engage with these ...truths over the weeks, during the days we praying about, say, Lord, convict me of sin, um, if it's there. Which is, the, which is the second half of the sermon I'm going to look at now, which is the work of the Holy Spirit, is that he brings conviction. So if we could just look at um, a passage here. So, nevertheless, I'll tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, Jesus talking, he's about to go away to, after the cross to be in, in the presence of the Father... For if I don't go away, the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, won't come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness and judgment. Now, I've got I'm going to read this other scripture and I'll tell you why they're both underlined. It's because they're both the same word in the Greek. So the second one gives us a sense of what this first word means. You think what does convict mean? If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone, if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. It's the same word in the scripture, the same word used. So what Jesus is saying, when the Spirit comes, he will tell the world their faults regarding sin, righteousness and judgment. It's part of the ministry of the Spirit to come and say, you're wrong. (laughs) Okay? It's it's part of what he does. Now, again, this is like, you know, you, you sort of want to bolt the doors when you preach your stuff in case there's suddenly no one left. Because this isn't popular. Uh, very, very often, that we that, that part of what God does is come and show us um, that we're wrong. This is very countercultural because we are all about being positive, aren't we? We like the positive, and the positive. Uh, I, I'm 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 good with positive, but it's like we want it all the time. Everything's amazing, incredible, great. I mean, you know, that's kind of how that's our culture. That, that that's where we are. Um, but I want to just take this idea of the Holy Spirit bringing conviction and I want to say, what does that look like for you if you're here today and you don't yet know Jesus? What does it look like if you're here today and you do know Jesus? Then we're done. Okay? So if you are here today and you don't yet know Jesus, then, then what does this mean to you? Um, well, it means that God is going to come to you by his spirit if you allow him and that he's going to show you that through not believing in Jesus that you are at fault. That you've not understood that this Jesus who has come really is Lord. Now, the, the, the most perhaps exciting thing about when the Spirit comes and does this is that it's not like a person just trying to tell you and convince you. He comes and he utterly convinces you in the depth of your being. You realize, oh, Jesus is Lord. right? So all of us who are in this room who are Christians, we've had that moment, that penny drop moment, where you get it. Oh, Jesus really is true, and then you obviously are happy to give your life to Him. That's what the Holy Spirit comes and does. He comes and shows us that our biggest sin is not believing in Jesus. Our biggest sin is that is that we have rejected Jesus. He comes and He shows us this in our heart, and then when we it can be a very painful experience. But you know, Jesus says, "Blessed are those who mourn," which means we're talking about mourning over our sin. He says because they will be comforted. And, and, and it's, it, again, it's the goodness of God. He comes and he doesn't... It's not like a, a violent, kind of a, a, a destructive thing. or it, Well, it's always a constructive thing with God, but sometimes there are things that need taken down first. But he undoes ways of thinking. He undoes ways we've been shaped, the ways our sort of minds have been... And he undoes it. He does it, okay? This isn't brainwashing by... This isn't, this isn't cultic. This is what God does. If you will allow him, this is what he comes and does. And he just comes and sh- he reveals to you the truth... And, and also the glory of Jesus. So you don't just believe he's true. You think, I want him. It's what the Holy Spirit does. And, uh, but it involves recognizing, I've got it wrong. I need to turn around. I've gone the wrong way. I've followed my own desires, dreams, or other people's, or, but I've not followed him. And it means recognizing that and saying, Lord, I'm sorry. And it means saying, please forgive me. For some of us, maybe you haven't said sorry for decades. Maybe you can't remember the last time you ever said sorry. Coming to Christ and finding forgiveness means saying, I'm really sorry. And I am repenting. Yeah? And Lord, I want to follow you. And so you see again, the, the work of the Holy Spirit enables you to realise, I've got it wrong. That's quite a releasing thing. Then you can experience forgiveness and a brand new life in Jesus. So that's what, that is the application for you. And uh, I want to ask, Will you will you, do, will you let him do that? Will you obey Jesus? As Lord, will you bow the knee? It's a very simple question. And ultimately, it's between you and God. No, no person can coerce another person to do it. That's not how God works. It's between you and God. But I want to ask you, will you let him? Will you bow the knee to him? Not to me, not to, not to him. Confess Jesus Christ is Lord. And then finally, for those of us who are uh, believers, application for us just look at this whole idea that that the Holy Spirit does convict us of sin. Um, It can be small things. Remember the other week in the service, I I said something. It was careless. Do you remember that? I said a careless comment. I made a careless comment that as soon as I said it, it was like the Holy Spirit just... I knew it. I need to now apologize for that. Yeah? And then you have about a minute of wrestling because your flesh is crying out saying, No. (laughs) But you let God win. Yeah? Which means you say, okay. And then I said, sorry. Because the thought of going home under that conviction is unbearable. Okay? Uh, where where does that leave me? Of course, I'm still a Christian, but where does it leave uh, No. No. Short accounts with God. Uh, you know? Yeah, I don't want to listen to pride, <laughs> I want to listen to Him. But then there are other moments where you get convicted of, of things that are really serious. I remember there was a decision I made early on in the life of the church. I made a decision, a pastoral decision, uh, for, for motives of, I guess, fear. I don't know what the motives were, but I guess fear. Um, made the decision, and then months later, it was just a moment, just praying. I just saw, you know, God, God <laughs> mercifully, he just showed me. What, what motivated that decision and the potentially really negative consequences. And, um, it, you know, uh, it, was, it, it was very painful. It was very painful, but it, it was really... I tell you, well, why is this good? He's saying this is good, but what, here's why it's painful. Because what God helped me to see was this, was that when I, when I make decisions out of fear rather than out of faith, I feel the pain of it. To, he allowed me to feel the pain of it to a depth that would mean that next time I'd make a different. I'd, I'd act differently. Does that make sense? And it's like, it, you know, like, uh, it, you know, like the, the kids when we when I was at school they used to have the cane, and uh, yeah. So it's like it out like a million years ago, didn't it? But it wasn't that long ago. But it used to the cane, and you always know, had these kids that would sort of come out of the headmaster's office, sort of brazen-faced, as if yeah, you 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 know. You may have cane me, but it, it, it didn't affect me. And actually, we can, be, we can be like that spiritually. And it's like, no, we've got to let the, the loving discipline of God... You know, in Hebrews, it says you can respond two ways to God's discipline. You can take it lightly, or you can let it destroy you. They're both wrong. You let it, you let it affect you, so that you act differently next time. It's letting the, the gospel work in our hearts. It's, it's, a, it's a really precious thing the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's always clear. It's always specific and you always know what to do with it. It's so different from the activity of the enemy which is always vague and just uh, like a heavy cloud and you can't fix it. <laughs> That's when you know when it's the enemy. It's just like, you know, I just feel rubbish. <laughs> That's not the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's very specific and it's like, oh, I don't know what to do and it's job done, forgiven, cleansed. Yeah? Ah, the Bible says that godly sorrow leads to repentance without regret. You're not constantly dragging this thing behind you that, oh, I believe I did that, you know, ha- hamstrung, paralyzed for years. because it's, No, that's not godly sorrow. That's worldly sorrow. Gospel sorrow is you mourn your sin, and then you come to the cross, and you find forgiveness, and you leave it at the cross, and you run on with the Lord. That is very cool. That is... That is so, so precious and I just want you to know uh, and understand that. And not therefore to fear the, um, the the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. I'll end with a couple more uh, scriptures uh, because sometimes God uses other people to convict us by his spirit. Sometimes. All right. Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is all for my head. Let my head not refuse it. Wow. Wow. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You know, there are moments and times in our lives where God uses the most surprising sources to, com- to bring conviction. I would suggest that the older we are, potentially the harder it is to receive that. Potentially. Um, because you get a bit more settled in your ways. But as a parent, sometimes your kids will say, that was out of order. And everything in you cries out, but <laughs> <laughs> in your spirit you know you're right. <laughs> and uh, it, and, and, and the, uh, the Lord can the Lord uses people in our lives, not always not, not always Christians. The Lord uses any amount of people in our lives, and they'll say, "There, you were really insensitive," and they explain it, and you think, "Yeah, I was." <laughs> and in those moments, I just want to urge you. Because of the gospel. The whole, the, whole, the whole message of the gospel shows us that he's right and we're wrong. So we really shouldn't find it that hard to apologize in life. It probably demonstrates our, uh, our grasp of the gospel, how easy we find it to apologize. Because right? the whole ground is we got it wrong, he's right, and he's, he's, he's gifted us with eternal life. So I want to just urge, urge us increasingly um, to recognize the conviction of the Holy Spirit and to be responsive to it. And to trust to trust that it 's going to lead to be, really really good fruit, really good f- fruit in our lives, um, where we become more like Jesus, amen yeah. amen okay i 'm um, done uh, what I suggest so, so um, if the band could come up no, with the band up yeah um, what, what I want us to do is we 're going to take this part of the service now between now and five we 're going to sing some more songs to the Lord and we 're going to break the bread and, and drink the wine and. Um, The way we do that, if you're not used to being among us, it's very kind of informal in style. So as and when during the songs, if you're a believer, if you're a disciple and you're following Jesus, then come and take the bread and the wine. Um, Let me also urge you that this is an important moment for, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to bring conviction of sin. Yeah, I'm just going to pray and ask that. And if the Holy Spirit convicts you, then I want to ask you to get right with God to confess your sins to him and to receive fresh forgiveness. It may be that you need to get right with someone else. It could be that you've been harsh, ungodly to someone in the room. If the Holy Spirit convicts you, please apologize to them. It's not, just to clarify, again, just help in teaching, it's not if you find someone annoying in the room, right? It really doesn't help because it's say, you know what, I, I really, just really find you annoying. Right? That's not, that's not it, right? It's just... You'll get over that. Just mature and give it time. It's if you know you've sinned against someone and you want to get right with them, you need to go and say you're sorry. Please go and do that as the Holy Spirit leads you. I'm just going to pray. Um, Lord, I just thank you that we haven't got a shout and scream to to be serious about you. And Lord, I just want to say thank you for the times you've convicted me. Sorry for the times I've been slow to respond. Uh, I pray you'd help all of us. Help us with our pride. Please, Lord, it's just so deadly. Help us. For some of you, you're so afraid of apologizing. Because you I just feel the Holy Spirit speaking to me now. Because if you feel like if I do that, I'll become a doormat. If I do that, people will walk all over me. It's such a different thing from that. It's not about fearing other people. It's about loving them. And uh, th- 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 that, 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 that won't happen. Um, so it's really important you don't let that get in the way and become a stumbling block. And Father, I just want to ask that you would send the Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring conviction of sin where we need it. Because, Lord, you know, we, we, want, to be, um, we, we want to be taking you seriously. I pray for people that just know that they're just, in their heart, they are harboring deliberate sin. They are holding on to deliberate sin. You see, the Holy Spirit will come to the darkest, darkest life. He, he really, he will come to the darkest life. But he won't come to a life that won't give up the darkness. He will come to the darkest, most messed up life and he will bring amazing transformation. But if you're not willing to give up the darkness, he's not going to come. You have to say, it, it, you know, you have to say, Lord, I am, I'm willing to turn from this. I don't want this anymore. Even though you, 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 you're aware of, your are powerless and you need his help. But he just wants to know, he wants to know that you want to walk in the light. And uh, I just want to say, if you know there's stuff there, do business with God. As we, as we sing, as we break bread, do business with God, deal with God. Because of Jesus, we have access straight into God's presence. As you pray in the name of Jesus, you pray to God in Jesus. He hears you. He will take your prayers seriously. Amazing things will happen. Um, sometimes it's good to confess our sins to one another. If you've got friends you want to do that with, go for it. But um, let's let, let's let's respond now to the Word of God.